podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. On a Monday after Liverpool dropped points at home to Tottenham, a 1-1 draw in the Premier League, followed by Manchester City's victory on Sunday over Newcastle, means that the Reds are now three points behind City and City have a superior goal difference. Now this obviously makes our hopes of a quadruple less likely. It gives City full control in the Premier League. It means even if they lose the game, they could potentially still win the league on goal difference. But it's not over. And the reason it's not over is because we ended Saturday night top of the Premier League. It is only three points. And they have a difficult Wolves team to play a West Ham team with now something to play for because they can catch Manchester United and finish sixth and get Europa League rather than Conference League. And those will be difficult games. And they've got to play Aston Villa, and you just don't know which Villa team will turn up. Now, I wouldn't expect much from them because they're not very good. But I do think those first two games could prove difficult for City. Now, we just have to win our games. All we can do is win our games. If we win our games and they win their games, then what happened against Spurs makes absolutely no difference. Simple as that. So there's no point in everybody getting themselves wound up about it. Did we play well? No, we did not. Did they set out to frustrate us and try and negate our threat? Yes, they did. Did it work for them? It worked on the night. But it worked against them in the overall scheme of things, because when we take a look at the Premier League table, Spurs now find themselves four points behind Arsenal. So even if they beat Arsenal on Thursday night, Arsenal would still be fourth. Spurs now need somebody else to take points off the Gunners for them to have a chance of sneaking into the top four. So congrats, Spurs. You got your point. Enjoy the Europa League next season. You know, there's part of me that says maybe we should just bin the league off. Maybe we would be better off focusing on the competitions we have control in, which are the FA Cup and the Champions League. And frankly, I'd much rather win those two games and lose the Premier League games because they'd rather end up with three trophies and a stronger possibility of three trophies than risk everything 
for a league title that may not be there for us anyway. If we win the FA Cup and Champions League, nobody can claim this season when it was anything other than a massive success. It will be one of the great seasons any club has ever had. We've carried a quadruple run well into May. It's now the 9th of May. No team had ever brought one further than the 1st of May. And ours will continue for another while anyway. You'd expect that we beat Aston Villa. You you would expect that that takes place this week. But remember, the quadruple dream only ends when it's mathematically impossible for us to win the league. So even if we lost to Villa and they beat Wolves, it wouldn't be over. So it would carry on. You could tell there was a lot of tired legs in our team. You could tell that the exploits in midweek away to Villarreal took quite a bit out of some of our players. Trent didn't play well. He had a very good game defensively, wasn't good going forward. Andy Robertson struggled. Centre-backs, I thought, played very well. I thought they did really well. I thought Fab's first half performance was unbelievable. Second half, he did dip a bit. Thiago was very good. Brian wasn't great. Salah and Mane were... They were poor. They were poor. There's no way around it. They were poor. Diaz was, was really, really good. But Salah and Mane were poor. But the thing is, Salah and Mane are exhausted. When you look at how many games they've played this season and the minute totals, I mean, Salah is already over 5,000 for the season, club and country. Mane is almost at 4,700. Now, I know Diaz has played an absolute ton of football as well. He's got 3,600 minutes at club level this season, Porto and then ourselves. And then on the international front, he's way, way up there as well. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight full games. That's 720 minutes. Another 84, so we're over 800. 870. That's basically 90 again. You're at 960 minutes. So again, like I know Diaz is, is way up there as well. But Diaz is substantially younger than Salah and Mane. And Diaz hasn't had to do this season after season after season. You look at Diaz last season, played 2,600 minutes for Porto. So nowhere close to the same level for his club. And at international level last year, he played a lot less. A lot less. Now you can count, obviously, the Copa Libertadores minutes, but they're not during the season. During the season, he played only 
only 100 minutes at international level. Whereas Salah and Mane, this is year after year after year, and the load that they carry for this team and have carried for this team, for the five years they've been together, the six years Mane's been at the club, it's not right for us to just expect them every single week to turn up and be nine out of ten and score two goals and create one. But that's the standard that they've set for themselves. And when they fall below the standard that they've set for themselves, they get criticised. Now, other players who've never come close to playing at the level of those two can turn in six out of ten performances and people will load them for it. They turn in a seven out of ten. It's, it's celebration time. They're having parties in the office of the Echo. Because not everybody's judged at the same level. That's unfair. I try to judge everybody at the same level. And I admit that I do take it from the best players. What's Virgil's level? Well, that's what I'm judging all centre-backs against. You know, when people used to say I was too harsh on Lovren, it's because I was looking around Europe and looking at the very best centre-backs in the game and judging him against them because we needed someone like them. So when he had his little run where he was six out of 10 and not calamitous every week, and people tried to claim he was in great form, my point was he's in great form based on his own levels, not on actual levels. And unfortunately with Salah and Mane, especially Salah since, since January, he's in poor form based on his own levels. He's not in poor form based on the average Premier League player. He's still been a top 15 player in the Premier League since he came back from the AFCON. It's just that he was by far the number one player in the league before he went away. It's just misconceptions. And players not been held at the same standard. Speaking of things that aren't held at the same standard, Guardiola went and had himself a big old cry yesterday. I don't know if if everybody's seen this. I assume most of you have. Pep said that everybody in the media in England wanted Liverpool to support the league. Everybody in the media supports Liverpool, according to Pep. Had himself a big old cry. One of a number of cries he's had in recent days. Talked about how If City win things, people talk about the money, not about the hard work. Of course they talk about the money. Your club doesn't exist where it is without the money. You haven't built this naturally, Pep. You've spent over a billion quid. And while people laud you as the best coach on the planet, you just buy your team. You don't coach them. You inherited the talent at Barcelona, you inherited the talent at Bayern Munich and failed to win the Champions League. You've bought the talent at City. And to be fair, to be fair, he's bought badly. Because if we look at the best players of the Guardiola era at City, Sterling was there before him. De Bruyne was there before him. David Silva, Fernandinho, Sergio Aguero, Vincent Company, All of them were there before him. 
De Bruyne and Sterling have been the two best players over his time there. And they predate him. So he spent a billion quid and his two best players were there before he got there. He spent a billion quid and all the leadership was there before he got there. Fernandinho, Silva, Aguero, company. All of it before he got there. Jurgen Klopp inherited a dumpster fire. And this is why Klopp is the best manager in the world, or certainly one of the top two, and Pep is not. Pep's a great coach, there's no doubt. He, he is, he's, as a tactical mind, Pep is, is a genius. But you put Jurgen Klopp at Manchester City with the money that Pep has had to spend, and he has the same number of league titles and probably a minimum of two Champions Leagues. You put Pep at Liverpool and he's won nothing. Liverpool are Arsenal circa 07 to 2013. Those frustrating Wenger years where they played the best football in the league and picked up a couple of FA Cups. And he came out and said that fourth was a trophy. That's what Pep would be doing. If Pep had access to the budget that Klopp has, that's what he would be doing. If Klopp had access to the budget Pep has, he'd have built the most dominant team the world has ever seen. If Klopp took over the team that Pep has, it would have made his job so much easier. If Pep took over the job, the, the, the club, that the, the group of players that Klopp took over, he probably would have quit within six months. So when people try and hold Pep above Klopp and point to, well, look what he won, we'll just remind them of the clubs that they've managed. Klopp took over at Mainz and elevated them to a level they'd never been to before. He took over at Dortmund and he won back-to-back Bundesliga with the sixth highest budget in the German league. He took over at Liverpool, a train wreck, and turned them into the best team on the planet. Pep took over a Barcelona squad, many of whom had won the European Cup three years beforehand. He inherited arguably the greatest player of all time. Three of the best midfielders of all time. Carlos Puyol and a bunch of other quality players. And he won his two Champions Leagues, but he hasn't won one since he had those players. He hasn't won one since he had Messi. He took over Barcelona. Oh, sorry, he took over Bayern Munich, who just won the European Cup. And yes, he won league titles. They'd won one before he got there. They've won six since he left. He didn't win the European Cup. He took over a city squad that had won titles before. And yes, he's won three, potentially four titles. But he hasn't won a European Cup. And he spent a billion quid. So Pep's great successes 
are simply the successes that were going on at those clubs before him. Now, he might have done them with more style, more panache. His teams might have been fun to watch. I don't think the City team is particularly fun to watch. They're very robotic. But, I mean, when Pep leaves the club, does the success go away? Because it didn't at Bayern. Bayern, by the way, have won a European Cup since Pep's been at City. Uh, it didn't at Barca. They won a European Cup while Pep was at Bayern. And will it go away at City? I suppose it depends on who they get in as manager. But it's worth noting that they've got the Erling, Erling Haaland deal done. So, you know, the answer to failure for Pep is always, well, let's spend lots more money. Because what else can he do? He doesn't know how to do anything else. If he's not been handed the tools, he has to go and buy them. He can't make them himself. Yes, he might improve players. But if he could improve them as much as people make out, why would he need to spend so much? Why would he need to spend this kind of money? Why would he need to buy Jack Grealish for $100 When you can find players... Every bit as talented as Jack Grealish, every bit as good as Jack Grealish, on the continent for half that, less. But Pep needs ready-made. And then he adapts them to his system. The guy's not fit to make Klopp a sandwich, let alone be compared to him. I'm done for today. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.